0: Section 20 of The Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume 1, by James Boswell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Plan of the Dictionary, Anno Domini, 1747. But the year 1747 is distinguished as the epoch when Johnson's arduous and important work, his Dictionary of the English Language, was announced to the world by the publication of its Plan, or Prospectus. How long this immense undertaking had been the object of his contemplation i do not know i once asked him by what means he had attained to that astonishing knowledge of our language by which he was enabled to realize a design of such extent and accumulated difficulty he told me that it was not the effect of particular study but that it had grown up in his mind insensibly I have been informed by Mr. James Doddsley that several years before this period, when Johnson was one day sitting in his brother Robert's shop, he heard his brother suggest to him that a dictionary of the English language would be a work that would be well received by the public. Doddsley first mentioned to me the scheme of an English dictionary, but I had long thought of it. Post October tenth, seventeen 1779, and a footnote that johnson seemed at first to catch at the proposition but after a pause said in his abrupt decisive manner i believe i shall not undertake it that he had however bestowed much thought upon the subject before he published his plan is evident from the enlarged clear and accurate views which it exhibits and we find him mentioning in that tract that many of the writers whose testimonies were to be produced as authorities were selected by Pope. Footnote. It would seem from the passage to which Boswell refers that Pope had wished that Johnson should undertake the dictionary. Johnson, in mentioning Pope, says, of whom I may be justified in affirming that were he still alive, solicitous as he was for the success of this work, he would not be displeased that I have undertaken it. Works, Volume Five, Page Twenty. As Pope died on May the thirtieth, seventeen forty-four, this renders it likely that the work was begun earlier than Boswell thought. End of footnote which proves that he had been furnished probably by Mr Robert Dodsley, with whatever hints that eminent poet had contributed towards a great literary project that had been the subject of important consideration in a former reign. Address of the Earl of Chesterfield I thirty eight. The booksellers who contracted with johnson single and unaided for the execution of a work which in other countries had not been effected but by the co-operating exertions of many were mr robert Dotsley, mr charles hitch (footnote: in the title-page of the first edition after the name of hitch comes that of l hawes in a footnote mr andrew miller the two messrs longman and the two messrs knapton the price stipulated was fifteen hundred and seventy-five pounds during the progress of the work he had received at different times the amount of his contract and when his receipts were produced to him at a tavern dinner given by the booksellers it appeared that he had been paid a hundred pounds and upwards more than his due murphy's johnson page seventy-eight c post beginning of seventeen fifty-six end. Of footnote. The plan was addressed to Philip Dormer, Earl of Chesterfield, then one of His Majesty's principal secretaries of state, The truth is that the several situations which I have been in, having made me long the plastron, in square brackets, but, of dedications, I am become as callous to flattery as some people are to abuse. Lord Chesterfield, date of December fifteenth, 1755, Chesterfield's Miscellaneous Works, volume 4, page 266, and a footnote. A nobleman who was very ambitious of literary distinction, and who, upon being informed of the design, had expressed himself in terms very favourable to its success. There is, perhaps, in everything of any consequence, a secret history, which it would be amusing to know, could we have it authentically communicated? Johnson told me. Footnote: September the twenty-second, seventeen seventy-seven, going from Ashbourne and Derbyshire to see Islam Boswell. footnote. Sir, the way in which the plan of my dictionary came to be inscribed to Lord Chesterfield was this: I had neglected to write it by the time appointed. Dodsley suggested a desire to have it addressed to Lord Chesterfield. I laid hold of this as a pretext for delay, that it might be better done, and let Doddsley have his desire. I said to my friend, Dr Bathurst, Now, if any good comes of my addressing to Lord Chesterfield, it will be ascribed to deep policy, when in fact it was only a casual excuse for laziness. THE STYLE OF THE PLAN, ANNO Domini 1747. It is worthy of observation that the plan has not only the substantial merit of comprehension, perspicuity and precision, but that the language of it is unexceptionably excellent, it being altogether free from that inflation of style and those uncommon but apt and energetic words. FOOTNOTE boswell here says too much as the following passages in the plan prove who upon this survey can forbear to wish that these fundamental atoms of our speech might obtain the firmness and immutability of the primogenial and constituent particles of matter those translators who for want of understanding the characteristical difference of tongues have formed a chaotic dialect of heterogeneous phrases. In one part, refinement will be subtilized beyond exactness, and evidence dilated in another beyond perspicuity. Johnson's Works, Volume Five, Pages Twelve, Twenty One, Twenty Two. End of Footnote. Which, in some of his writings, had been censured with more petulance than justice and never was there a more dignified strain of compliment than that with which he courts the attention of one who he had been persuaded to believe would be a respectable patron with regard to questions of purity or propriety says he i was once in doubt whether i should not attribute to myself too much in attempting to decide them and whether my province was to extend beyond the proposition of the question and the display of the suffrages on each side but i have been since determined by your lordship's opinion to interpose my own judgment and shall therefore endeavour to support what appears to me most consonant to grammar and reason Ausonius thought that modesty forbade him to plead inability for a task to which caesar had judged him equal me posse negum posse quadile putat, or Epigram One Twelve in the footnote, and I hope, my lord, that since you, whose authority in our language is so generally acknowledged, have commissioned me to declare my own opinion, I shall be considered as exercising a kind of vicarious jurisdiction, and that the power which might have been denied to my own claim will be readily allowed me as the delegate of your lordship. The Earl of Orrery I Tart thirty eight This passage proves that Johnson's addressing his plan to Lord Chesterfield was not merely in consequence of the result of a report by means of Dodsley, that the Earl favoured the design, but that there had been a particular communication with his lordship concerning it. Dr. Taylor told me that Johnson sent his plan to him in manuscript for his perusal, and that when it was lying upon his table, Mr. William Whitehead (footnote: Whitehead, in 1757, succeeded Colley Sybaris as Poet Laureate, and dying in 1785, was followed by Thomas Wharton). From Wharton, the line of succession is Pye, Southey, Wordsworth, Tennyson. Sea post under June the thirteenth, seventeen sixty-three. End of footnote. Happened to pay him a visit, and being shown it, was highly pleased with such parts of it as he had time to read, and begged to take it home with him, which he was allowed to do that from him it got into the hands of a noble lord who carried it to Lord Chesterfield Footnote. Hawkins life page one seven six, likewise says that the manuscript passed through Whitehead and other hands before it reached Chesterfield. Mr. Croker had seen a draught of the prospectus carefully written by an amanuensis, but signed in great form by Johnson's own hand. It was evidently that which was laid before Lord Chesterfield. Some useful remarks are made in his lordship's hand, and some in another. Johnson adopted all these suggestions. End footnote. When Taylor observed this might be an advantage, Johnson replied No, sir, it would have come out with more bloom if it had not been seen before by anybody. The opinion conceived of it by another noble author appears from the following extract of a letter from the Earl of Orrery to Dr. Birch Caledon, december thirtieth, seventeen forty seven. I have just now seen the specimen of Mr. Johnson's dictionary addressed to Lord Chesterfield. I am much pleased with the plan, and I think the specimen is one of the best that I have ever read. Most specimens disgust rather than prejudice in favour of the work to follow, but the language of Mr. Johnson's is good, and the arguments are properly and modestly expressed. However, some expressions may be cavilled at but they are trifles i'll mention one the barren laurel the laurel is not barren in any sense whatever it bears fruit and flowers footnote this is poor piece of criticism confirms what johnson said of lord orrery he grasped at more than his abilities could reach tried to pass for a better talker a better writer and a better thinker than he was boswell's hebrides september twenty second seventeen seventy three see post under april seventh seventeen seventy eight and a footnote said hi sunt nugai and I have great expectation from the performance footnote birch manuscripts british museum four three o three boswell end of footnote. that he was fully aware of the arduous nature of the undertaking he acknowledges and shows himself perfectly sensible of it in the conclusion of his plan footnote. when I survey the plan which I have laid before you, I cannot, my lord, but confess that I am frighted at its extent, and like the soldiers of Caesar, look on Britain as a new world, which it is almost madness to invade. Johnson's works volume five page twenty one into footnote but he had a noble consciousness of his own abilities, which enabled him to go on with undaunted spirit. There might be applied to him what he said of Pope. Self-confidence is the first requisite to great undertakings. He, indeed, who forms his opinion of himself in solitude, without knowing the powers of other men, is very liable to error. But it was the felicity of Pope to rate himself at his real value. Johnson's works, Volume 8, Page 237, and a footnote. The Dictionary of the French Academy, Anno Domini, 1748. Dr. Adams found him one day busy at his dictionary, when the following dialogue ensued. Adams, this is a great work, sir. How are you to get all the etymologies? my sir here is a shelf with Unius and skinner Footnote. for the teutonic etymologies i am commonly indebted to Unius and skinner Unius appears to have excelled in extent of learning and skinner in rectitude of understanding skinner is often ignorant but never ridiculous Unius is always full of knowledge but his variety distracts his judgment, and his learning is very frequently disgraced by his absurdities. Ibid, volume five, page twenty nine. Francis Junius the Younger was born at Heidelberg in fifteen eighty nine, and died at Windsor, at the house of his nephew Isaac Bossius in sixteen seventy eight. His Etymologicum Anglicanum was not published till seventeen forty three. Stephen Skinner, doctor of medicine, was born in 1623, and died in 1667. His Etymologicum Linguae Anglicanae was published in 1671. Knight's English Cyclopaedia. End a footnote. And others. There is a Welsh gentleman who has published a collection of Welsh proverbs, who will help me with the Welsh. Footnote thomas richards published in seventeen fifty three antiqua lingua britannicae thesaurus to which is prefixed a welsh grammar and a collection of british proverbs End of footnote. adams but sir how can you do this in three years johnson sir i have no doubt that i can do it in three years Adams. But the French Academy, which consists of forty members, took forty years to compile their dictionary. Johnson. Sir, so, thus it is. This is the proportion. Let me see. Forty times forty is sixteen hundred. As three to sixteen hundred, so is the proportion of an Englishman to a Frenchman. With so much ease and pleasantry could he talk of that prodigious labour which he had undertaken to execute. The public has had from another pen, footnote, see Sir John Hawkins's life of Johnson, page 171, Boswell, end of footnote, a long detail of what had been done in this country by prior lexicographers, and no doubt Johnson was wise to avail himself of them so far as they went but the learned yet judicious research of etymology, footnote, the faults of the book resolve themselves for the most part into one great fault. Johnson was a wretched etymologist. Macaulay's miscellaneous writings, page 382, see Post, May thirteenth, 1778, for mention of Horn criticism of Johnson's etymologies, end a footnote. The various yet accurate display of definition, and the rich collection of authorities, were reserved for the superior mind of our great philologist. The etymology, so far as it is yet known, was easily found in the volumes where it is particularly and professedly delivered. But to collect the words of our language was a task of greater difficulty, the deficiency of dictionaries was immediately apparent, and when they were exhausted, what was yet wanting must be sought by fortuitous and unguided excursions into books, and gleaned as industry should find, or chance should offer it, in the boundless chaos of a living speech. Johnson's Works, Volume 5, page 31, in a footnote. Johnson's Amanuensis, Eitard 38 for the mechanical part he employed as he told me six amanuenses and let it be remembered by the natives of north britain to whom he is supposed to have been so hostile that five of them were of that country there were two messrs mcbean mr Shields, who we shall hereafter see partly wrote the lies of the poets to which the name of sibber is affixed Mr. Stewart, son of Mr. George Stewart, bookseller of Edinburgh, and a Mr. Maitland. The sixth of these humble assistants was Mr. Payton, who I believe taught French and published some elementary tracts. To all these painful labourers, Johnson showed a never-ceasing kindness so far as they stood in need of it. The elder Mr. Macbean had afterwards the honour of being librarian to Archibald, Duke of Argyle, for many years, but was left without a shilling. Johnson wrote for him a preface to a system of ancient geography, and by the favour of Lord Thurlow got him admitted a poor brother of the Charterhouse. Mr. Macbean said Johnson in seventeen seventy-five. Is a man of great learning, and for his learning I respect him and I wish to serve him. He knows many languages and knows them well, but he knows nothing of life. I advised him to write a geographical dictionary, but I have lost all hopes of his ever doing anything properly, since I found he gave as much labour to Capua as to Rome. Madame d'Arblay's Diary, Volume 1, page 114. See post, beginning of 1773, and October the 24th, 1780, end of footnote. For Shields, who died of a consumption, he had much tenderness, and it has been thought that some choice sentences in the lives of the poets were supplied by him, footnote, Boswell is speaking of the book published under the name of Sibber, mentioned above, but entirely compiled, according to Johnson, by Shields. See post april tenth seventeen seventy-six and a footnote. Peyton, when reduced to penury, had frequent aid from the bounty of Johnson, who at last was at the expense of burying both him and his wife. Footnote. C. P. Odzi Letters, volume one, page three one two, and post, May the twenty-first, seventeen seventy-five. Note in a footnote. The upper room in Goff Square, Anno Domini, 1748. Authors quoted in the Dictionary, itart 39. While the Dictionary was going forward, Johnson lived part of the time in Hoban, part in Goff Square, Fleet Street, and he had an upper room fitted up like a counting-house for the purpose, in which he gave to the copyists their several tasks. Footnote. We ourselves, not without labour and risk lately discovered gough square and on the second day of search the very house there wherein the english dictionary was composed it is the first or corner house on the right hand as you enter through the arched way from the north-west it is a stout old-fashioned oak balustraded house i have spent many a pound and penny on it since then said the worthy landlord here you see this bedroom was the doctor's study. That was the garden, a plot of delved ground somewhat larger than the bed-quilt, where he walked for exercise. These three garret bedrooms, where his three copious sat and wrote, were the place he kept his pupils in. Tempus edax rerum, yet ferax also for our friend now added with a wistful look which strove to seem merely historical I let it all in lodgings to respectable gentlemen by the quarter of the month. It's all one to me. To me also, whispered the ghost of Samuel, as we went pensively our ways. Carlyle's miscellanies edition of eighteen seventy two volume four page one hundred and twelve end of footnote the words partly taken from other dictionaries and partly supplied by himself having been first written down with spaces left between them he delivered in writing their etymologies definitions and various significations Footnote. boswell's account of the manner in which johnson compiled his dictionary is confused and erroneous he began his task, as he himself expressly described to me, by devoting his first care to a diligent perusal of all such English writers as were most correct in their language. And under every sentence which he meant to quote, he drew a line, and noted in the margin the first letter of the word under which it was to occur. He then delivered these books to his who transcribed each sentence on a separate slip of paper and arranged the same under the word referred to by these means he collected these several words and their different significations and when the whole arrangement was alphabetically formed he gave the definitions of their meanings and collected their etymologies from skinner Unius, and other writers on the subject percy End of footnote. The authorities were copied from the books themselves, in which he had marked the passages with a black-lead pencil, the traces of which could easily be effaced. Footnote. The books he used for this purpose were what he had in his own collection, a copious but a miserably ragged one, and all such as he could borrow, which latter, if ever they came back to those that lent them, were so defaced as to be scarce worth owning. And yet some of his friends were glad to receive and entertain them as curiosities. Hawkins, page 175. End a footnote. I have seen several of them in which that trouble had not been taken, so that they were just as when used by the copyists. Footnote. In the copy that he thus marked of Sir Matthew Hale's primitive origination of mankind, opposite the passage where it is stated that Averroes says that if the world were not eternal, it could never have been at all, because an eternal duration must necessarily have anteceded the first production of the world, he has written, This argument will hold good equally against the writing that I now write. End of footnote it is remarkable that he was so attentive in the choice of the passages in which words were authorised that one may read page after page of his dictionary with improvement and pleasure and it should not pass unobserved that he has quoted no author whose writings had a tendency to hurt sound religion and morality Footnote. boswell must mean whose writings taken as a whole had a tendency etc., johnson quotes dryden and of dryden he says of a mind that can trade in corruption and can deliberately pollute itself with ideal wickedness for the sake of spreading the contagion in society i wish not to conceal or excuse the depravity such degradation of the dignity of genius such abuse of superlative abilities cannot be contemplated but with grief and indignation what consolation can be had Dryden has afforded by living to repent and to testify his repentance. Johnson's Works, Volume 7, page two ninety three. He quotes Congreve, and of Congreve he says, It is acknowledged with universal conviction that the perusal of his works will make no man better, and that their ultimate effect is to represent pleasure in alliance with vice and to relax those obligations by which life ought to be regulated. ibid. volume 8, page 28. He would not quote Dr. Clarke, much as he admired him, because he was not sound upon the doctrine of the Trinity. Post, December 1784, note, in a footnote. The necessary expense of preparing a work of such magnitude for the press must have been a considerable deduction from the price stipulated to be paid for the copyright. I understand that nothing was allowed by the booksellers on that account, and I remember his telling me that a large portion of it having, by mistake, been written upon both sides of the paper, so as to be inconvenient for the compositor, it cost him twenty pounds to have it transcribed upon one side only. End of section 20.